Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the official launch of my Stars feature or program. I'm one of only 20 people in the world to be beta testing for Facebook, the new Facebook currency, the Stars feature. I think it's really exciting already. When I say officially launch, I do, did three or four videos, a few people have bought Stars, we've all been experimenting with it, but this is the official launch of that. I'm gonna be doing the longest, deepest, ask me anything I've ever done. So you're gonna get your chance in a moment to ask me anything you like. Now I'm gonna allow star givers to jump the queue. Uh, and if you give me a good amount of stars, I don't really know what a good amount of stars is, but I'll just sort of do it off the cuff. If it looks like a good amount of stars, then I'm gonna give you a longer answer and you'll be able to ask me a question about your business and um, I'm gonna give you a longer deep dive answer. So um, let me just tell you what's gonna happen in this live stream. Then you can get your questions ready. You can get your shout outs ready. If you have a podcast, if you have a book, if you have a brand, or if you have a business or something that you wanna get out to more people, I'll be, uh, you, if you give me some stars in this live stream, I'll be able to shout you out. Um, and you'll be able to share your domain or your link in this live. And we have, I believe, 139,000 people who um, follow me on this page. The videos go out for sometimes 5,000, sometimes 10,000, sometimes more people. So it's good exposure for you as well. Okay, right, so question time. So I'm gonna go in order, because Jake, you hit me first and then hit, hit some stars. Rob, you talk a lot about the importance of not naming your business after you. If you've already named your business after you, do you see this as a problem? Um, no, Jake, look at Trump. You know, it's, it is a really big brand name. I think it's fine as long as um, you intend to grow and scale it. Uh, look at David Lloyd. I mean, I met David Lloyd and did a podcast with him um, a couple of weeks ago. He sold his name, essentially. Uh, and he's, he was out, he's been out of David Lloyd 20 years and they still have his name. He's still, he's happy, he's successful, he's worth tens of millions, he's building a, a new companies. So it hasn't like really affected him. But of course, if something happens to David Lloyd, that does get, that does affect him. And he does from time to time get some bad press or some critics or whatever. So if you've already done it and you've already built a brand around it, I think it's fine. Uh, and you can sell that name. It's a myth that you can't, it's just harder. So um, you could pivot. And to be honest, to create a name that's not your name, i.e. instead of Jake Lowe or jakelowe.com or Jake Lowe Coaching or whatever it is, Jake, calling it progressive or, or disruptive or whatever, the sooner you do that, the, the sooner you can pivot. Um, and, you know, you may have six months or a year where you're kind of running both brands in parallel or you're trying to bring, move them over from one brand to the other. Um, it does depend how long your brand has been going and how much loyalty you have on your brand as to whether you should change or not. If you're Trump, it would obviously be very damaging, although so, so I know some, what some of you are going to say. Um, uh, and if you're David Lloyd, well, it's too late because you've already sold your brand. Um, but Rosemary Connolly, she sold her name and she regrets that. I interviewed her for my podcast and she does regret that. Um, how do I build my personal brand? 
I'd like to help subcontractors help themselves build their business and get paid quicker. I'm a quantity surveyor and I want to improve cash flow in construction supply chains. Well, that is definitely a big challenge, Stuart, in construction, of course. Um, so building your personal brand would be around one, it would be making sure you're on all the social media platforms. Now, my guess is um, LinkedIn is going to be the best for you. Um, because of your business and LinkedIn doesn't restrict its reach just to your followers. Um, so I, I regularly do posts on LinkedIn that get between 20,000 and 3 million views, whereas on Facebook, a higher um, you know, reach would be 20,000 as opposed to a lower. Um, so make sure you're on all the social media profiles and platforms. So then you're maximizing your reach. So um, I, I definitely think you should do a podcast. Now, I know it can be a bit overwhelming balancing all of these, but I balance all of these and you can see it's really helping my personal brand. I think you want a YouTube channel and I think you want to uh, commit to doing more content. So you may, have, you may have seen, if you follow me over the months or years, I've incrementally built up my content. I didn't go from one a month to one a week or one a week to one a day or one a day to two a day. I went progressively more. So I went from one a week to two a week and I just build it into my routine. You know, it's, it, it, people think it's a lot of effort and I'm always on social media. It's not a huge amount of effort uh, and it doesn't take a huge amount of time. OK, this is a long one, but, you know, it's in the evening. I'll be watching Liverpool anyway. We've nearly scored three times. Uh, we've just got it on in the background. Um, so I think putting a lot more content out there definitely helps. Now, by the way, there's there's a there's a slow but deeper way to build your following and there's a quicker but less deep way. So the slow but deeper way is to do it organically and be a content marketer and put a lot of content out there and give really good value and be consistent. Um, the quicker way is to run ads and do advertising. Um, and whilst that is quicker, you know, you don't quite get so much of a loyal follower from an ad. You get a loyal follower when you've built a lot of content. And, and probably, Stuart, uh, you know, you've been following my content for a little while. I've probably not hit you with a load of ads. You've probably got more rapport with me with the organic content where up until you donating stars, I would, I would never have asked you for any, any money or anything like that. And I'm not really asking you money for stars. You're just sort of, you know, giving them in the, in the gratitude circle. Um, now, people think hard work is what makes you successful. I'm going to challenge that. I would say consistency makes you successful. Because this isn't hard work. I'm relaxing in my home on Boxing Day. It's not hard work. But it's consistent work because I did a live this morning and yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. Is doing lives like this hard work? No, it's fucking fun and awesome. But it is consistent. So I'd say keep up the consistency. I would say be on all the platforms. I would say increase your content, you know, your output. I would also say um, keep taking feedback. So you know um, from what I do, I keep taking feedback. Um, so, you know, I... I encourage you to ask me what content you want. I did that in the live this morning. Someone messaged me. I think, it, Stuart, was it you that said that you would like me to talk more about how to engage and build communities? I think it was. And I hat tipped to that and I said, right, I'll do a live on that in a few days time. Um, so if you keep doing that, in the end, I'm not saying you don't need to do it because it's great for me to always listen to the community and know what they want and listen to them and, and feed them back the content that I can help them with that I know because I've got experience in and you've said that you wanted. Um, and, and keep you very inclusive and engaged. Um, but after a while, when I've done that enough, like a few months or a few years, I know what you want and I know what you need and I know your pains and I know your triggers because we're all the same because we're all entrepreneurs trying to make money, trying to make a living, you know, trying to get ourselves out there, trying to do marketing, trying to um, leverage social media more. Um, so in the end, it, you build up this sort of second nature, if you like. Um, so Stuart, hopefully that helps. A bit of a deeper dive answer because you've been so generous with your stars. 
Um, my pleasure, Neville. Just another shout out to Neville. He's a very inspirational guy. He's got a brilliant book uh, that he's launched um, probably a couple of years ago now. Um, Neville's little mantra is the answer is always yes. So what's the question? He's definitely inspired me. One of the most successful businessmen locally, like worth 100 million kind of level. So um, Neville, thanks for being who you are and doing what you do. Um, Sarah Downs. So thank you for your star, Sarah. I loved your content yesterday about using your pain and experiencing to, experience to help others. Yeah, that was uh, quite an outpouring from me and the community. Thank you for sharing. What's the most rewarding thing you've ever done in business when it comes to helping others? Um, I would say, you know, we've probably given away more than a million pounds to various different causes and charities like Cancer Research and Mind and Sue Ryder. And that's amazing. And I've broken world records and we've raised 30 grand or 50 grand for these charities. I would definitely say that's amazing. I would say when you see people in the community message you saying, hey, Rob, I was in a load of debt or I was struggling or, you know, I was um, having real problems in my relationships or whatever they say, because I get this on, on a, it's no exaggeration to say I get messages like this daily. Um, and then they say, hey, you know, thanks to your content and your work and whatever else, you know, I, I'm doing really well. And I got a message from Kat Jones today saying, hey, Rob, you know, thanks to you and Progressive. I'm now in Dubai living my dream. I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. You know, that, that definitely makes me feel warm. Um, and it's a great gift to be able to do that. Um, I'm going to try and do more and more to help people with the, my Rob Moore Foundation. And um, just try, I, I do calls to help people. Um, I think I've probably helped a few people who are quite close to suicide, but with my 15 minute one to one calls, I'm not going to sit here and say I've saved like 10 people from suicide. That would be, um, you know, like that wouldn't be a balanced comment. But I've talked to a lot of people who've said to me they've been at times suicidal and they've given me feedback that, um, you know, they found the call really helpful and useful. And it's been good to talk to someone and some of my tips were useful. And that makes me feel amazing, Sarah. So thank you. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts, for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Okay, so Colin Smith, thank you for the 50 stars. No, sorry, Chris Smith, thank you for the 50 stars. Whoa, this is a longer one. Um, so Rob, we've expanded to four people in the team, uh, including me on site on the tools. None of the team is fully competent yet and it's been a little chaotic. Uh, growing business is chaotic. My world is chaotic. Welcome to being an entrepreneur. 
I'm introducing company culture, good work, core values, good work, trackable employee progress in January. Just make sure you sell that to them because if you just chuck that on them without selling as to why it benefits them, that'll be a culture shock and a change. So make sure you do that. Expect a bit of resistance there. I think the business will benefit long term if I come off the tools. It 100% will. Working on the business or in the business, when you're working in the business, you can't work on the business as much. So yeah, and you can hire more people on the tools and you can train them and lead them and inspire them and take them to management levels. And you can have 100 people on the tools if you're leading the business. Yeah, um, 100% agree with that. We have a very difficult couple of months financially and high turnover goals to meet. That also motivates you, by the way. So, you know, my running costs are 700 plus thousand pounds a month. I had a 1.1 million pound cost month. That's not including my personal expenses, by the way, so you can unload onto that. Uh, it's a lot of money, but it also makes me motivated, accountable. So you've got to see the upside in it if it's there. So use it as a motivator. All right, if we take out a business loan to cover the short-term drop in income, I don't really like the idea of that. If I'm honest, I don't really like uh, the idea of, oh, that's got to be a penalty. That's got to... Oh. It's got to, oh, it's offside. Um, I don't really like the idea of taking a short-term loan to cover, um, you know, short-term cash flow challenges, personally. I, I like the idea of selling your way through it, scaling up your business, you know, getting more jobs, if you can help it. Um, so, yeah, that's my um, thoughts on that. If you've got a follow-on from question from that, let me know. All right, Matt Emery, thank you very much for 100 stars. You are a gentleman. So Matt has asked, hi, Rob. How do you grow retail bricks and mortar business? We are a, mor uh, a mortar factor. What's a mortar factor? Is that a mortar factory? But run from a high street shop. Um, we have thousands of products to sell. So I think maybe you could just e e explain that a bit more. I'm not sure I fully understand. Um, but do you, if you mean your retail, then um, you know, maybe you've got to use online advertising to get people into your shop. Maybe you've got to get all your customers referring people to you. You know, like Tesco, um, in, it disrupted years and years ago with the rewards card and that got people in. You know, vouchers and discounts and special offers. You've got to get people in the shop. You've got to get people in the shop. What can you do to get people in the shop? Once you've got them in the shop, they'll start spending. Um, you know, whether that's pay-per-click ads or joining various Facebook groups that are on theme and on niche for that business. I believe the bricks and mortar retail businesses that will survive and thrive in this changing world of online and this disruption of online are those that leverage online as well and those that offer services um, as well as products. And, um, you know, we've got a, a real expert on the live stream, Neville Wright, who had a massive retail business, Kitty Care, biggest um, uh, retailer of uh, clothing um, online uh, for children in the country, I believe, at one point. Ah, Matthew Bates, why did I give up the pub business? Um, well, actually, I, I started as an artist um, because, well, basically, my dad fired me. Um, but we, my dad was sort of, we were a bit ding-donging at that time. And he knew I didn't want to be there ultimately. And I knew that, but I was reliant on him. And he was a bit reliant on me, but I was more reliant on him. And he wanted to look after me as a good dad that he is. Um, so um, in the end, I finally had the courage um, to go and set up my art business. So yeah, I left the pub because I finally took, oh, Liverpool score, get in. Um, I finally took the plunge and had the courage to start my own business. Uh, and I figured, even though I left the pub, I kind of figured in my mind, oh, maybe I could do some evening shifts, you know, and still earn a little bit on the side. Um, so yeah, that's why I did it. Uh, and it was one of the best decisions I made ever in my life. Now, it wasn't, by the way, um, what became successful for me. Property was more successful for me in business and personal development and writing books and, you know, running training businesses. But um, it was like the, the first step on my own. 
Um, and I, I was never in the pub business for the long term. My mum and dad were always going to retire. And it was a dying business, honestly. It was a horrible business. They worked every Christmas, every birthday. They killed themselves pretty much. Um, and it was really unsociable hours. So, yeah, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great move for all of us. And we, we get on better as a family, I think, now that we don't all work together. Although working together was also a good experience in many ways. Ah, Yelena has asked, is there a specific question I ask everyone I'm interviewing? Um, and what are my most popular answers? Good question. Well, um, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll know I've got the quick fire round where I ask the same questions all the time. So the deeper dive, more conversational questions that I do for probably the first hour plus, they're all different. I'm looking for getting out what's unique about them. I'm looking for it to be different to my last podcast and different from other podcasts and different from a podcast they've done before. I'm often looking for the business angle if they're not really famous for business, but they're famous, etc. Um, and th these are, it's important to me to be unique and disruptive. Oh, we should have scored there, it should be 2-0. Um, but uh, the common questions I ask everyone, uh, and I think these are, these are quite good actually because they get some interesting answers. What's the best advice you've ever received? What's the worst advice you've ever received? What's wrong with the world that you want to change? What one guest would you recommend that sh we should be on the show or you'd love to watch? And what does disruptive mean to you? Uh, and they're the most common ones. Um, so, well, sorry, they're the ones that I, get, I, I ask every time. Um, and um, the, the most common answer to worst advice is I don't know because people don't tend to remember bad advice so that's good a lot of the worst advice answer is based on people telling them they couldn't or they shouldn't um, or resisting them in some way and they went and did it anyway um, so th that's often um, something that you know people share uh, so hopefully that's a, a decent enough answer to your question of course you can go and listen to the podcast and then you'll hear them all and Vanessa, so Vanessa Wakelin, thank you, Vanessa, for your stars. If you had 100K to your name, um, would you buy Resi property or buy, um, or buy to let or flips? Well, um, buy to let and flips are both residential property or it's assumed that they are. Well, sorry, um, flips could be residential property because you can do it in your own name and you can get your, um, you know, your tax relief. Every time you do it, you don't pay the um, capital gains tax. So that could be a cool thing to do. A lot of people do that every two or three years. Buy a house, do it up, add value, make money. Uh, and then jump onto a bigger one. They trade up like that. Um, uh, if you don't own your own home yet, I think in England, it's good to have a residential property that you own, especially if you want a solid base and you want to be, bring up a family and you want a, your own office and that can double up as an office. And I think that can be a really good thing to do. Um, and I'd probably do buy to let over flips purely because if it's um, a good enough deal anyway, you could flip it, but I'd rather own it forever. I mean, ask Neville, he's got hundreds of properties in Peterborough as well. And he's been doing it, I think, since the 70s or 80s, way before I was doing it. And, um, you know, I think he owns a lot of them now. And he'd have, I bet, Neville, what were you buying properties for when you started buying buy-to-lets in Peterborough? And, and tell me the first year you bought a property, because I'm, I'm going to embarrass both of us here, Neville. But I bet you it was before I was born. <laughs> um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was paying like less than £10,000 for properties in Peterborough that are now worth one fifty. Um, so that's why I, I like to own property rather than, you know, sell it. So I prefer that to flips. OK, Kelly, um, question. One of my goals in 2020 is to share my story and public speak to an audience of a thousand plus people. How do I make that happen? Right. The first thing is do way more lives, Kelly, because people will see you. Promoters will see you. People will share your videos. They won't necessarily on the first one or the second one or the tenth one, but they will. Uh, I get seen by a lot of people. A lot of celebrities watch me. A lot of multimillionaires and hundred millionaires watch me. A lot of people are, you know, very successful in their various businesses watch me. And I, I, I only ever knew that the more I was doing them. So put yourself out there a lot more. Um, the next thing is go and do speeches for 10 people.
people and 20 people and 50 people and, and build your way up. The third thing is to do our speaker course. I don't know if you've done Expert Speaker Revolution. It's, I'm told it's one of our best courses. Uh, and I think you've got to learn how to speak um, because speaking might sound easy and natural to those that are good at it. Uh, but actually, it's not that easy. And uh, to sound natural and relaxed and calm, uh, it takes practice. Um, so I'd certainly say do lives, do um, lots of public speeches, go to local networking events and do that sort of 45 minute, um, you know, you get your elevator pitch. Uh, and and um, stay consistent and get, keep putting yourself out there. Okay, so Neville, get this. I knew this would be crazy answer. So Neville bought a house in 1968 in Peterborough in Millfield for 650 quid. So that was seven. That was 21 years before I was born. It's in the same town as me. Um, and Neville bought um, a house for 650 quid. Neville, what's that worth now? Um, Millfield. It's got to be worth more than 120, surely. Um, so yeah, wow, never, we'll have to go out for dinner sometime, we haven't been out for ages. Uh, Connor has asked me how many watches I got for Christmas, none, Connor. I've only bought one watch this year, it was an AP Perpetual Calendar Gold, but only one. I sold a few Rolexes because I made 300% on them, um, and I feel like there's a watch uh, recession coming, prices have got crazily high. Um, so, uh, my next three purchases will probably be the limited edition Nautilus chronograph. That is crazy money though. It's like 260,000 um, pounds. the premium on it is crazy. Uh, the, I get, I'll, I'll get an RM11, um, maybe the newer RM11. Um, RM11s have gone crazy as well. They're like 200 and something thousand pounds. Um, I, I like the white AP concept in gold, white and gold. Um, so they'll probably be on my next three purchases, but I'm just waiting for the prices to come down. Um, I bought a lot of watches over the years and I've made a, a, a lot of money on watches as a percentage. I mean, a lot of money is relative. Um, and I think they're too high for me to go in now. And the, the kind of watches, the, the kind of money I buy for pay for watches now, I don't want to lose 20%. It's quite a lot of money. So I'm going to, well, you can never fully time it, but it's going to happen. I'm sure it's going to happen. Prices are so, so high. Um, okay. So a couple of people have asked you, Ask me how to scale your business. Well, I mean, that's such a massive question, isn't it? How do you scale a business? So number one is you increase your output of marketing. That is vital. Number two is you hire in sales and marketing. That is vital. Um, number three is that you work on the business, not in the business. Uh, number four is that you build your personal brand and you get more reach. You reach more people. Number five is you improve your product and service so much that your customers um, have more gratitude and they'll either pay more or there'll be less friction and they'll pay quicker or um, they'll refer people. Number six is to ask for referrals and recommendations and get client testimonials and continue to do that over and over and over and over and over um, because it does, there's no cost in marketing and getting referrals and recommendations. Lowest cost marketing, highest quality of lead, likely a friend of someone who's got a great service from you. Um, the next thing is to study your competition intensely and to work out what they're doing and the things that they're doing well and not well and make sure you improve upon both of those. The next thing is to study other industries. So I love watching documentaries. I love studying fashion designers, artists, um, you know, people in tech, uh, in other areas, <clears throat> excuse me, that aren't the same as my niche, because then I can um, hybridize and create unique products and services in my own space. 
by watching what other people do. And I'm not copying, I'm modeling and I'm, I'm bringing my own flavor in. So I've created more of a hybrid model because there's, no, there's no, no real point in just copying people. Well, actually, that's not true. There is a point. If you copy what mentors and you know, smart people have done, you'll get better results than not knowing what to do or doing it, it, it through trailblazing yourself. But you know, it's good for you to be original and unique yourself as well. You definitely want to leverage Facebook groups and be in way more Facebook groups and put more content out there. There's loads of customers in Facebook groups you're not in. You definitely want to be using LinkedIn a lot more because they don't restrict the reach. So you can reach millions of people um, organically. Now on LinkedIn, I get a good few hundred new um, followers. Uh, sorry, it's, it's close to us scoring a gold salad. No. Um, so, yeah, there's a few tips and probably eight tips for scaling a business. I hope you found that useful. Um, Robert has just asked, what's the best autobiography you've read? <clears throat> Probably Arnold Schwarzenegger's Total Recall. It's really hard to see past that. And there are some brilliant ones. But if, you, if you're saying Desert Island Discs style, which one is definitely that? 3-0 um, Liverpool. I mean, what an evening. What an evening. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.